Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. And unfortunately, we do have names this week to add to the list. Two helicopters from the 1st Attack Battalion of the 25th Aviation Regiment at Fort Wainwright near Fairbanks collided last Thursday about 50 miles east of Healy when they were returning from training. The Army has reported that Healy is about 80 miles southwest of Fairbanks. An investigative team from Fort Novacell, Alabama, arrived in Alaska over the weekend and flew to the crash site on Monday. The Army has identified the soldiers who died as uh, Waymond, 32, uh, Chief Warrant Officer, Three, Christopher Robert Aramo of Oneana, New York, and Chief Warrant Officer Two, Second Class Kyle D. Varena of Colorado Springs, Colorado. A fourth soldier was injured, and that soldier's name has not been released. The mother of one of the three soldiers killed last week, uh, uh, that was Warrant Officer T. Stewart Dwayne Waymont of North Logan, Utah, said he leaves behind a wife, Kiara, and three young children. She said he had a positive outlook and cared about others. He enjoyed the outdoors and was excited to be stationed in Alaska to fly over rugged landscapes and see the northern lights and the wild lights. The Army on Friday grounded aviation units for training after the crash, which occurred a month after nine soldiers were killed when two Army Black Hawk medical evacuation helicopters crashed during a nighttime training exercise in Kentucky. Units are grounded until they complete the training, according to Lieutenant Colonel Terrence Kelly, an Army spokesperson. For active duty units, the training is to take place this week between Monday and Friday. Army National Guard and Reserve units will have until May 31st to complete the training. A commander at the level of a two-star general can authorize an exception, he said, but the safety of our aviators is our top priority, and this stand-down is an important step to make certain we're doing everything possible to prevent accidents and protect our personnel. New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand sent a letter to the U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin requesting a review of helicopter crashes within all military branches that were fatal or that involved the loss of aircraft. She requested information on such accidents within the last five years, and she cited a 2021 New York Army National Guard crash that killed three soldiers during training. Since then, we have only lost more service members to catastrophic incidents involving rotary wing aircraft, she wrote. The Army on Friday said that while both the Alaska and Kentucky crashes are under investigation, there is no indication of any pattern between the two mishaps. You know, Senator Gillibrand, these soldiers are involved in life in death situations all the time. Surprised that you, you know, just noticed. Even in training, 
they are risking their lives. And yes, we want to get to the bottom of if there's anything we could be doing better, we should be doing it. But I don't know. You know, the Senate Armed Service Committee heard some testimony on Tuesday from the GAO, the Government Accountability Office, that the Navy's ship maintenance backlog tops $1.8 billion, its aircraft are aging, American shipyards are in poor condition, and the U.S. Navy is in decline. Now contrast that with, with China's military surge. According to the Pentagon, China military power report shows that China's army, navy, and space assets are accelerating at a pace that one American four-star admiral called breathtaking. China already has the largest navy in the world, and it's getting larger. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's office reports that China's air force is rapidly catching up to Western air forces. It gets worse. The U.S. military now faces an unprecedented crisis of recruitment. In the 50-year history of the all-volunteer force since the Vietnam draft, the services have never missed their recruitment goals until last year. The Army fell 15,000 recruits short of its goal last year. That's an entire division. This is in addition to the 8,000 enlisted service members who were kicked out because they didn't comply with uh, Biden's vaccine mandate. Reports show this year's recruiting may be even worse, with four of the six military branches on track to miss their recruitment goals. Late last month, the Navy posted a video of Lieutenant Audrey Knutson, a legal assistance officer who describes herself as non-binary, meaning she's neither male nor female, speaking about her deployment aboard the aircraft carrier USS Gerald R. Ford. Lieutenant Knutson boasted that the highlight of her first deployment, also the $13 billion vessel's first deployment, was reading a poem to the entire ship during an LGBTQ spoken word night. Not surprisingly, the video went viral. Along the same lines on Tuesday, it was reported that the Navy tapped another self-described non-binary sailor to become the Navy's first digital ambassador. The Navy's top officer, Admiral Michael Gilday, in a Senate hearing last month, was told, look, we respect everyone who serves this country. An issue At issue isn't a, seller, a sailor's sexual orientation or their gender, but what is this new national obsession with sexuality and race and gender and orientation? It's, it's really, what it does is it takes the military, which has always been focused on its purpose, on its ability, on its service, and now it's focused on itself. You know, what the Navy is doing isn't not a good recruiting strategy. Admiral Gilday doubled down, celebrating the Navy's floating LGBT poetry slams. And he wonders why he's going to miss his recruiting goals this year? You see, this administration and its allies in Congress, they seem determined to turn the Pentagon into a five-sided faculty lounge whose purpose is to, you know, left-wing social engineering. Lloyd Austin's first act as the defense secretary was to mandate so-called anti-extremism training that cost uh, military, the military four million man hours. So meanwhile, we understand that they can't get enough training, they don't have enough equipment, 
So let's put him in 4 million man hours of extremism training. Like maybe we should have prepared them to withdraw from Afghanistan. Just saying, you know, who's running this Navy? And, and, and the Democrats on this, at this committee on Tuesday were ut- utterly uninterested in the crisis that's confronting us. Instead, you know, they wanted to talk about anything but. They wanted to talk about the senator from Alabama, Tuberville, right? Senators Elizabeth Warren and Maisie Hirono spent their time at the hearing attacking Senator Tuberville for demanding that every senior military nomination receive a separate vote in the Senate. Because until now, they've been rubber stamping them in batches. And if you had to vote individually on 200 nominations, it might, uh, you know, may take some time. We have a military of 2 million service members. We have 650 general officers. But slowing down the process doesn't put our national security at risk. None of these important jobs will go unfilled. This will have no impact on operational readiness. What has an impact is this insanity that's going on at all levels, this DEI. But, you know, you know, Elizabeth Warren's talking about, oh, you know, these nominees will run out of grocery money. What? You know, I haven't heard a word from her about recruiting enlisted service members. The people the Army said should go on food stamps to cope with inflation. She said that. So for America's security and for the security of the world, the U.S. military needs to remain the greatest that the world has ever seen. What we're doing right now is not working. You know, the United States military is having a Bud Light moment. Secretary Austin and all his Democratic allies in Congress, they better wake up because China's on the march. Already got the biggest Navy in the world. Already bordering on having the biggest air force in the world. And we're sitting around talking about, you know, uh, LGBT slam poetry hours? Come on, guys. None of you think this is right. I don't care how liberal you are. You know, some of you say, I'm a fiscal conservative, but I'm liberal socially. Okay, well, are you liberal enough to have a military that's more concerned about slam poetry for LGBTQ Pride Month? Or a military that could actually win wars? Because I'm not, you know, I don't vacillate on that at all. There's only one purpose for a military. That's to win, to kill the bad guys. You know, and, and, and the idea that I now have to live in a, a fear that we've never experienced, not my generation. My generation, our fathers were the greatest generation, right? They went across the seas to fight wars and win them, to end uh, Nazis and communists and all kinds of incredible, overwhelming, against-the-odd victories. And now my military is more concerned with, you know, how many transgendered or non-binary generals it has. Who's doing this, man? Who thinks this is a good idea? Because I don't. And this is what's going to happen. The Navy will no longer attract the best and the brightest looking to excel. Um, you know, I have a grandson who we're talking seriously about his, uh, you know, considering the military. But I got to tell you, he's 16 now. He'll be 18 when he graduates from high school. And unless we have a different commander in chief, 
there's no way I would encourage him. I'm sorry. You know, why would I put him in a military that's more concerned about the color of his skin, which happens to be black, than it is about his, uh, his love of country or his desire to be part of a team, a winning team, or to learn a useful skill? Instead, he's going to be, you know, uh, uh, bunking with uh, non-binary people. What is that? I'm so confused. I don't know about the rest of you, but I don't understand. How do you not know? I mean, it's one thing to tell me you think you're trapped in the wrong body. I find that fairly hard to believe, but apparently there is such a legitimate disorder, gender dysphoria, okay? You know, it's a disorder, though. Let's not pretend that it's just another uh, another idea. It's, a, it's just another way. But non-binary? So you walk around and some days you feel like a girl and some days you feel like a boy and some days you feel like a, what, an amoeba? Some days you feel like a, a cow and some days you feel like a cat? I don't understand this. And we act as if it's okay. It's perfectly normal. Don't, don't get upset. You know, come on, Joyce, calm down. It's all good. No, it's not good. It's really not good. It's getting worse by the minute. Anyway, um, this weekend is the coronation of the king. Of course, our president's not going, and the White House said, well, no president has gone to the coronation. Excuse me? There, there hasn't been a coronation in a long time, and the early presidents had just broken away from England. I don't think they were invited, you know? But certainly, um, Elizabeth has been sitting there for many, many presidents, so there was no coronation. And this will be the first one in decades, Six, seven decades, right? So what does that mean? He's not going because nobody else ever went? He's not going because he can't. And he'll say something stupid and we don't want an international incident at the coronation. But don't worry because Dr. Jill is going. I know I feel better about that. Show the whole world that my, my president is, I can't say that term on the air, but yeah. His wife is controlling everything, okay? Everything's gonna be okay. Dr. Jill will be there. Anyway, don't forget to download our app, the 850 app. And if you don't download it, then you got to go to the website, 850wftl.com, to participate in one of our great contests. We have a, a $50 DoorDash gift card so you can get saucy with freaking delicious fried chicken tenders from Tender Shack. And you can enter at the app or at 850wftl.com. Stay right where you are. I got a lot more to talk about. I cannot believe I'm, I'm not going to be able to get to everything I want to talk about today, but I'll do that. I'll do my darndest. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Uh, anyway, Derek will be on at 9.45 so I can wrap up this week with something a little on the lighter side. But uh, I got this email from a friend of mine. First, I got this email explaining some things about New Zealand and Maori. She's living in New Zealand. And then I saw this article, uh, or she might have sent me a link to the article, that uh, the High Commissioner to the United Kingdom, Phil Goff, caused offense to the Maori king at an event for the New Zealand delegation in London this week during the um, coronation events. Goff 
forgot to perform a karakia to open the event at the High Commission and then went on to say that no one in the room had experienced a coronation before, right in front of Kingi Tuhaichia. And a spokesperson got up and explained that after Saturday, many people in the room will have in fact been to three coronations. The complete disregard of the coronation of Kingi Tuhaichia Potatu to Warau, whatever, and of course his mother. So this will actually be his third coronation. Well, you know, uh, there's going to be all kinds of stories that, you know, I just find fascinating. I said today that I can use a little pomp and, and circumstance right about now. Everything is so dismal that the coronation of the King of England actually might interest me enough to watch some of it. Really, you know, the fact that he sits on a stone, there's all this like, you know, old world pomp and circumstance. Now, I don't want a king, you know. I, I think, uh, you know, kings, the days of kings have pretty much expired. But there is something about the magnificence of these monarchies and the few remaining monarchies uh, fascinate me. I, I don't want to live there. Um, but I'm fascinated. I think it'll be quite uh, uh, something to watch. Plus, I want to I wanna be able to see King or P Prince Harry, whatever his name is, 10 rows behind his brother and all the other family members because he didn't want to be part of the royal family, right? Didn't him and Meghan say, we don't want any part of this uh, royal life, so, uh, you know, we're leaving. We're going to America, and then she said, yeah, no, I can't come to the coronation because, uh, you know, it's Archie's fourth birthday party. I'm still trying to figure that out. Like, when my kids had their fourth, fifth, even tenth birthday parties, like, it didn't happen on their birthday. We had it when it was convenient. You know, it could be the weekend before, the weekend after. You know, it didn't have to be during their grandfather's coronation. Um, just, they're so self-centered. Does anybody care or like them? I don't think so. They're just not likable. You know, you wanted to be a princess. Well, guess what? It comes with like certain responsibilities, including like show up at the coronation. How about that? Whether you're, in, you know, liked or not liked. But, uh, you know, these are victims. You know, so they want me to believe that this millionaire actress and the Prince of Wales, or whatever he's called effectively, Prince of Sussex, I don't even know which, who, what he's the prince of, but they want me to believe that they're victims. They're victims of, of racism, they're victims of classism, they're victims of who, who knows what. They'll, they'll find something to feel victimized about. And it's just like the rest of us roll our eyes and say, you have no idea what it is to be a real victim. You really don't, you know? Even by the time you met each other, one was a, you know, a successful movie star or a television star, really, and the other was a prince. <laughs> oh, gee, life's been really hard. Look, I'm sorry that your you know, mother died in a, in a uh, tunnel. And yeah, I'm sure you probably have some questions about how that happened. I know you don't like your stepmother, but so what? You still live a very privileged life, and so does Megan. But don't worry, you know, Archie's fourth birthday party, I'm sure, will be just as spectacular and splashy as the king's coronation, right? Jeez. Poor William. He has to fly, not William, poor uh, Harry. He's got to fly to England, 
attend the coronation and basically be humiliated all by himself. And then he's got to fly back to uh, put on a little uh, party hat and go, happy birthday to you. And jeez, he won't raise like that, you know. It's probably going to be hard. But that's okay because he'll write a book and it'll sell a million copies and, uh, you know, and he'll hang out with the Obamas because that's the thing now. If you can hang out with the Obamas, you know you've made it, right? Or in my case, uh, you know it's the end of the world. That's what you would know. Um, the, the news that's been coming out about what's about to go down with Hunter Biden is absolutely fascinating. I don't think anybody out there predicted that this was going to happen. I saw a, an article in Axios, and I don't read Axios for the most part, but I did watch this, uh, you know, and, and it said that President Biden is fighting with Hunter Biden's, I guess, legal team? I don't know. Does he have a PR team? He's got some people that work only for him, even though he can't afford to pay child support for his daughter, uh, Navy. But, he, he, you know, his team is fighting with the president's team on how to deal with the legal battles and the attacks, oh, these terrible attacks that surround the president's son. So the tensions led Hunter without involving the president's top aides, to hire Abby Lowell in December. She's a very high-powered lawyer as part of a plan to take a more combative approach than the White House and Hunter's previous lawyer had taken. You see, they started a legal defense fund <laughs> and hired ethics advisors for it. And even the Democrats are worried about the idea of the president's son soliciting money to pay for his legal troubles. For this fund to work, Anthony Coley said, it must be extraordinarily transparent and even restrictive by prohibiting foreign citizens and registered lobbyists from contributing. Uh, you're a little late on that. Without these types of guardrails, the fund will be a legitimate headache for the White House. Hunter is a legitimate headache for everybody, for the uh, you know, for the child who had to fight to, to get support and had to fight to even be proven to be his child, who's still being denied by President Biden. Then you have longtime Biden lawyer Bob Bauer, who's married to Anita Dunn, who's one of the senior advisors for Joe Biden, had, you know, uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. And, and, and all they ever did was point at Donald Trump and say, oh, you know, uh, his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, and oh, his son and his other son and his daughter, oh, there's a problem, there's a problem. You know, they didn't really do anything, didn't have any problems. Jared Kushner kind of brokered a peace deal. You know, other than that, they were pretty innocuous. They went to like, you know, uh, Ivanka went to a couple of conferences and a UN occasion once in a while and advised her father, but... You know, they weren't involved in anything uh, controversial. They weren't sitting on the board of directors of Burisma or anything. But hey, you know, the rules are different for the left and the right. Very different. So there's trouble in Washington. And it seems to me the New York Post had a an editorial about how um, Joe Biden may very well have committed crimes. He may, in in, in effect 
have made particular policy decisions in exchange for cash from a foreign national when he was vice president. That's a crime. That's selling out the country. And that's what a whistleblower says. And now they've subpoenaed FBI Director uh, Christopher Wray. A whistleblower claims the FBI has a file linking the president to just such a scheme per a new subpoena from the House Oversight Committee. Yet signs point to the Justice Department punting on any evidence. Committee Chairman James Comer says the whistleblower's claim raises concerns that then-Vice President Biden allegedly engaged in a bribery scheme, bribery, bri bribery scheme with a foreign national. He and Senator Chuck Grassley wrote the Attorney General Merrick Garland and Christopher Wray that the tipster is highly credible. If such a file exists, and they said it was created back in 2020, there's a good reason to suspect that the Justice Department has been trying to bury it, and the public's been in the dark on all of it until now, with no sign of its existence. But guess what? The department won't be able to drag out the investigation of Hunter Biden's tax issues anymore. Maybe the FBI did act, but didn't find enough evidence. Well, it's time to show, show us what you got. Because ignoring this is only making us more suspicious. All right, don't forget, uh, let me take a break. I've got a lot to take care of. I want one segment before Derek comes on at, at uh, 12.45. So stay right where you are. Ah, yes, yes, yes. The coronation. Well, isn't that going to be interesting? Yeah, I'm, 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 uh, I'm definitely going to watch some of it. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I, I feel like I have so much bad news all the time that a little pomp and circumstance would probably feel okay. Just to look at what's happening, like if I can avoid looking at what's the name, uh, the, the Dr. Jill, that would be helpful but it probably won't be able to avoid since she's the only representative from the United States of government. You know, the president didn't want to go to the coronation of the King of England. Can't make this stuff up. You really can't. It's just such a different world right now. I was looking at, you know, Bibi Netanyahu launched an attack. Uh, I think it was day before yesterday. It might have even been early yesterday against, you know, a, a terrorist. And I'm an admirer of leaders who fight for their people and who will risk public, uh, you know, ridicule or media attacks to do the right thing. And he definitely did the right thing. And of course, he's being torn to shreds by the liberal media and applauded by people like me. What are you supposed to do? You have to. You have to fight. You have to fight for your people or else why are you in public service? Why are you at the helm of a great nation, whether it's Israel or the United States of America, right? Why? Why would you not be willing to, to you know, risk it all to save your country? Anyway, don't forget the um, 
Last week I talked about the moving wall, the Vietnam Memorial. And there's an honor flight coming in tomorrow night at the Fort Lauderdale Airport in 4. It's uh, Terminal 4, the Spirit Terminal. And you should go. It's really, um, you should go to welcome back the veterans on the honor flight. And you should take your families to, you know, to see the Vietnam moving wall. You know, these are things that your kids are not learning about in school. You know, we've eliminated history. The only history we want to teach them, apparently, is anything post-1965. Well, that's not even history when you get right down to it. That's like current events. Well, for someone my age, it is. And so I, t I drag my grand... I don't have to drag my grandson. He loves to go to the honor flight welcomes and... And uh, I think he'd be very interested in seeing the wall. So we will make visits this weekend. And you should do the same. I mean, it's just amazing to me how distant we've become from what made this country so great. That's why we have, you know, drag queens advertising for you to join the military. Ugh. So a recruitment email sent by Mike Morell the person who, you know, helped author the infamous Hunter Biden laptop letter wanted former intelligence officials to become signers and give Joe Biden, and this is how he described it, a talking point during the presidential debate against Donald Trump. He admitted that he was triggered by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to write the letter about the laptop. The recruitment email from Morell was sent to former intelligence officials and included the laptop letter co-authored by him and former senior CIA operations officer Mark Polymeropoulos as an attachment. The quoted language from the Morell email sent in October of 2020 was read to the newspaper, the Washington Examiner, verbatim and identically by two independent sources who had access to the email. In the email, he explained that both he and Polymeropoulos believed Russia was involved in the Hunter Biden laptop stories and that Trump likely planned to attack Biden over the laptop revelations in the debate. We wanted to give the VP a talking point to use in response, Morell wrote. And that's what they did. Morell has previously testified that one of the reasons he helped put the letter together was to help Joe Biden because I wanted him to win the election, Morell said. Mark Zaid, an attorney representing Polymeropoulos and a number of other laptop letter signers, also told the media last month that when the draft was sent out to people to sign, the cover email made clear that it was an effort to help the Biden campaign. And then you got 51 ex-intelligence officials signing the letter which was published two days or three days before the debate and, of course, gave Joe Biden the, you know, the talking point he was looking for. That, oh, it's a product of Russian disinformation. Look here, 51 intelligence agencies said it. And he did. He re referenced it during that when Trump brought up the laptop from hell and started saying, you know, Hunter Biden had all these business dealings tied to China, tied to the Ukraine. And uh, you know, Joe Biden said, wait a minute. We have 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what he's accusing me of is a Russian plan 
They've said that this has all the characteristics. Four or five former heads of the CIA. Both parties say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. Hmm. So Trump at the time said, you mean the laptop is now another Russia, Russia, Russia hoax? And Joe Biden said exactly what we're told. And Trump turned around and said, here we go again. Russia, Russia, Russia. And a few days later, Joe Biden said that in a 60 Minutes interview, that the laptop was part of a Russian disinformation campaign. Can we all admit now that it wasn't and that it was political uh, conniving at its worst? Because that's what it was. Just last month, it was revealed that Morell told House investigators he had no intention to write that letter until he had a phone call with Blinken, who was a top advisor for the campaign, and that he said triggered him to do so. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. And now they're getting caught. And the media, completely uninterested. Only the conservative media will even talk about it. That's amazing to me. The fourth estate is now the fourth uh, disease. Anyway, let's take a, a, a quick break. Don't forget Dan Bongino's coming up at 1 o'clock, Ben Shapiro at 4 o'clock, Matt Walsh at 5 o'clock, and the WPTV News at 6 o'clock. And then it's the weekend. It's Sunfest. It's all kinds of concerts and wonderful events happening this weekend. I hope you can enjoy some of them. I'll be back on the other side of this break with my son Derek from TMZ. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it. Well, I uh, have my wonderful son on the line, and he had sent me a video late last night, which I didn't see until this morning, of his favorite childhood story, which he is attempting to read to his son with the same impact that it had on him, and Carter's not really getting it, is he? <laughs> yeah. Tiki Tiki Tembo, No Saw Rambo, Cherry Berry, Ruchi, Pitberry, Tembo still rolls off my tongue. I don't even need to read the words because <laughs> you had planted it there when I was, I guess very, very young. It was amazing to me that I was like, I don't know how I'm reading this so quickly. It, it just was second nature for Carter a little rougher, but we'll yeah. get there. Well, and as soon as I saw you, as I said, no Rembo, cherry berry, ruchi, pit, peri, pembo has fallen into the well, because that's the end of the statement. A hundred percent. It is. I, it's such a wonderful story, too. I love it. The illustrations, one of my, one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. And then, listen, uh, those are good memories, you know, and I'm glad you can share them with your children. You know, that's important. But I got to tell you, is it just me or am I so starved for some pomp and circumstance that I'm actually looking forward to the coronation of King Charles? <laughs> you know, I, I, the wait is over. There's something yeah. about it that is really interesting to me that King Charles the third has mm -hmm. been waiting for this for so long and we've been anticipating it my entire lifetime and the queen ended up living so long that it never arrived but i'm sort of happy for this 75 year old king to finally get to ascend to the throne mm -hmm. there was a worry that there wouldn't be enough sort of excitement because he's not a young man anymore even though he was dashing in his days with princess diana he's 74 years old and it's you know, his mother ascended to the crown when she was quite young, and he's mm -hmm. going in as a as an old king. But people are showing up. They've got their Union Jacks draped around them and so forth. Joe Biden is there. So it does yeah. seem like the festivities are picking up. Yeah, not Joe Biden. Jill Biden, right? Yes, Jill. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 
because the, the the White House said that no president has gone to a coronation, and I'm thinking like, well, the early presidents had just revolted from England. They weren't going to coronations, and yeah, exactly. Elizabeth... There's always a little bit of oddness in in terms of America celebrating the British monarchy. I mean, look, uh, a lot of time has passed, and they've been our allies for you know quite some time. Helped us out in a couple big wars, I would say. Right, and uh, as long so as they've been our okay allies, now, but you're right. It's still the optics of having a president sort of bow to a king overseas is a strange one. I know, but you know what? Um, the, the reason no recent president has gone to a coronation is because she sat on the throne for like 80 years. That's also true. That's also true. It just takes a, it's been a while. She sat yeah. there for a very, very long time with her corgis. And yeah. this is the first opportunity we've had. Uh, geez, even in your lifetime, you were right. I, I don't think you've known any, any previous no, she was always the queen, exactly. So, you know, I'm I'm just excited. I, I got to ask you, though, now put on your lawyer's hat for a moment. This case with Ed Sheeran, I mean, I think this was very much more important than people think, not because he threatened to stop being an artist if he got, you know, didn't win the case, but because there's only so many notes. I mean, how, what made people think they were going to prevail in this case? Yeah, well, you know what made them think they were going to prevail is what how this similar type of case turned out with Blurred Lines and the Mar- and Marvin Gaye's family. Because right. remember, they were successful in their litigation, and it seemed like it spawned everyone trying to take a shot at saying, look, you ripped off this old song when you made this new song. So the co-writer, the Townsend Estate of, of Let's Get It On, the famous Marvin Gaye hit, said, you know what, uh, this song by Ed Sheeran sounds very similar to ours. We'll, we'll take a cut at it. We'll go to trial. And now the tide has turned, and Ed Sheeran wins this lawsuit. I think what helps sway the jury is Sheeran. I mean, he got on the stand and said, "I here's my process. Here's how I make music. Sure, like any artist, I'm inspired, but there's only so many notes to pull from thin air and make music out of, and I didn't copy this one. It, it right. was just my separate inspiration. Yeah. And what do you think about Kanye hiring Milo Yiannopoulos to run his campaign? I mean, does Kanye never learn? Look, I wanted to know what you think of this, because <laughs> it's interesting. Milo Yiannopoulos is a colorful I know figure, Milo. but he's yeah. now fired Nick Fuentes and... Right. Uh, Ali Alexander, who are, I think, of the alt-far writers, are even further right uh, of Milo Yiannopoulos. This seems to be, um, I don't know, sort of conservative light. Maybe he's backing off some of his more absurd positions and trying to become more of a serious political player, although Milo's pretty far out there. I don't think if you have a serious ambition to be president, you would hire Milo Yiannopoulos, but it does seem like he's maybe tempering some of his views. Well, and I know Milo. He's, uh, you know, he, he's very colorful, which Kanye loves, you know. And, uh, and you're right. It's a, not a serious campaign. So why would you have a serious guy? Nick Fuentes, on the other hand, is very serious about politics. Milo just uses it to elevate his stature. So I think it's fine. And uh, again, Kanye's just proving that he has no real intention of running a serious campaign. But the Met Gala. I, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. I think he loves being colorful. He loves being in the conversation. But I don't think he has that as a real ambition. Look, he's he's married again to this yeah. new woman. It seems to have like calmed him down at least enough that he's not in the headlines every single day shouting about Hitler, which is a good thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Met Gala. I know we haven't talked about it, but boy, everybody just turned up pregnant at the Met Gala for some reason. 
It's the new thing to do, right? Yeah. Serena Williams showed up and had her her, her belly uh, mm-hmm. on display, and they're expecting their second child. You know, she's with the Reddit guy, mm-hmm. uh, Alexi Ohani, I think his name. Yeah. Um, uh, or no, Alexi's last name. Anyway, they're together. They're having their second child. And, um, you know, this is a page out of Rihanna's book, basically, mm-hmm. at the Super Bowl, showed off her pregnant belly. Beyonce has done this in a very public fashion before. It's sort of the new thing to do in Hollywood is really flaunt that baby bump. I guess. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a little beyond my comprehension. And finally, um, what's up with Jamie Foxx? Is he going to be all right? You know, I, I sure hope so. Um, I am very, very concerned. A lot of the news coming out, seems quite grim. You know, you only stay in a hospital for three weeks plus um, if your condition is very, very serious. Now, he at least posted something on Instagram saying he's on the mend, Mm -hmm. and that calmed people down. It only made me more concerned because Jamie Foxx is such a charismatic figure to not see him on video saying thanks for the well wishes. Yeah, I got actually more nervous when I saw it was just a typewritten message that that the condition he's you know, battling there is quite serious. Me too. Well, we'll just pray for him. Anyway, Derek, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Take care, everyone. All right. Thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here on Monday if it be his will and he delays his his coming. Uh, May God bless you and may God bless the United States of America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.